Thank you. Let's pray together. Father, uh, thank you for just the truth in that song. We do pray that uh, that's not just lip service, but really and truly of our hearts that we would say uh, we are yours. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus this morning that you would uh, take your word and speak to our hearts and grant us the ability to grow spiritually as a church and uh, individuals as well. Help us to walk closer to you. Father, we pray also for those who are perhaps here, uh, maybe longtime church members, maybe uh, first-time visitors, but they don't have a relationship with you. I pray, God, that you'd use your word and draw them to salvation by the power of the Holy Spirit this morning. Pray as well uh, that you just speak clearly and help us to be quick to obey, not just hearers of the word, but also doers of it. And it's in your holy name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Hey, you brought a Bible with you. Say yes. And let me invite you to open it with me to Luke's gospel, chapter 13. This is the final section of Luke's gospel, chapter 13. If you're visiting with us, we've been going verse by verse through this particular gospel. And this morning, I want to talk to you on the subject, watch out for the fox. Watch out for the fox. So Luke chapter 13, beginning in verse 31, stand with me in honor of God's word this morning and notice what the scripture says. Y'all got it there? Say yes. All right, verse 31, here we go. Just at that time, some Pharisees approached, saying to Jesus, Go away, leave here, for Herod wants to kill you. And Jesus said to them, Go and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I reach my goal. Nevertheless, I must journey on today and tomorrow and the next day, for it cannot be that a prophet would perish outside of Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together, just as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you would not have it. Behold, your house is left to you desolate, and I say to you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Let's bow together again. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, put it in our hearts that it might grow spiritual fruit, and we'll give you glory for what you do, and it's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray, and everybody said, amen. You can be seated. So my in-laws, Krista's parents, had the great opportunity uh, past couple of weeks to actually visit the whole land they went to Israel so they walked on the same streets that Jesus walked got to see a lot of the same sites that Jesus spoke about and it's pretty interesting everybody who goes on a trip there talks about how it causes some of the New Testament text to just come alive because they can see the imagery that Jesus was using so on their trip they had the opportunity to visit the Jordan River Jordan River is very very uh, awesome place and uh, matter of fact my father-in-law ended up getting baptized there and then came back and brought to our family a little bit of the Jordan River all right this is the holy land in a bottle can I get a witness on that and uh, taste horrible by by the way. Just kidding, I didn't drink it. But anyway, so uh, it's the Jordan River. But it's interesting because the Jordan River serves as a monumental site in the life of Jesus Christ. It was there that Jesus actually was baptized by John the Baptist. But it also was there that we see a foreshadowing of God the Father's purpose for his son Jesus Christ. Jesus came not just to be baptized by water, but to be baptized unto death. Jesus came to die for the sins of humanity, be buried and resurrected. Jesus spoke about this baptism as well in Luke's gospel chapter 12 and verse 50 where he says, I have a baptism to undergo and how distressed I am 
until it is accomplished. So Jesus spoke about his baptism unto death. And as we note the purpose for Jesus Christ coming, we also hear Jesus say in Luke 9 and 22, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. So God the Father had a distinct purpose for Jesus Christ coming to the earth so that he might die for the sins of humanity uh, of humanity, but also that he might continue to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now, I want you to think about this for this morning. This is very much a teaching kind of sermon. So I have my teacher hat on a little bit this morning, but I really want to uh, give you some insight that I think the Lord's given me to help me personally. I pray it helps you. But God the Father had a specific plan for Christ the Son. Now, as we look at the New Testament, we discover that Jesus Christ has a specific plan for the New Testament church. Now, that plan is that we would go and make disciples of all nations. That's why we often say that Concord exists to make disciples everywhere. A disciple is one who's involved in worship, reaching, growing, and serving, and leading others to do the same. Now, whenever you consider worship for just a moment, it's interesting because Concord's ministry is designed to help you in the process of becoming a disciple so that you might not only come to know Christ personally, but also grow in your walk with the Lord Jesus. So as you look at worship, the goal of our worship hours here is really to create an environment where you and I might encounter God. And that's kind of the goal of worship. We don't want to be like other churches where it would be nice if Jesus showed up. We're the kind of church where it is absolutely necessary that Jesus shows up. So if Jesus like doesn't come to church on Sunday morning with us, then it's like, what are we doing here? All right. So we desperately want the Lord to come. So that's our worship hour. And then you go and get involved in a small group Sunday school class. Those Sunday school classes are designed to help you reach out to those who are far from God, those who are outside of the faith. So you gather together with like-minded people and you focus on the purpose of reaching out with the gospel. So if you're not involved in Sunday school class, I want to encourage you to get involved in one. That is a place where you get around others, you're ministered to, they minister to you, and uh, what's awesome there is that you link arms with others and really focus on reaching out with the truth of the gospel. And then our growth groups. They meet on Sunday night. One of my favorite things to do is be in a grow group. I've been doing these for years and uh, love to do it because we get around other people and we study scripture together and I hear what God's teaching the, in, in the lives of other people. I get to share as well and we just build one another up in our faith. It's an opportunity for you to mature and to grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we serve. So the Bible says that every single believer should be a part of a local body of believers. So you ought to be plugged in as a member of a church somewhere. If it's not here, then we'd love to help you find a place to be. But you would plug in, you would learn your spiritual gift, and you would exercise that spiritual gift in the context of the body. So that is the New Testament church. And Jesus gave that mission to the church macro that the church might make disciples. Now keep going with me here. We go from the macro picture to the micro picture to talk specifically about you as well as about me. God has a distinct purpose for every single believer. God literally has called you and I to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to serve others as ourselves, and listen to this, to be a missionary where God has planted us. That is for every single follower of Jesus Christ. So that is the plan. 
So some people come to church and they're like, what is God's will for my life? What does God really want for me individually? That's it. Love him with all your heart, serve others, and be a missionary where the Lord has planted you. And so really and truly, what I want you to see this morning is that God the Father, are y'all with me? Say yes. Here it is. God the Father had a distinct purpose for Jesus Christ the Son. God the Father has a distinct purpose for the New Testament church, make disciples, and God the Father has a distinct purpose for your life and my life as believers, and he has made it abundantly clear in the New Testament. Love God, serve others, be a missionary where you are planted. Now, here's the wild thing. The enemy knows all of this. And so the kingdom of darkness, the enemy, is literally preparing ways to distract you, ways to deter you, ways to get you off of the path of what God has truly called you to do. And God uh, saw this happen in the life of Jesus Christ. You and I have the opportunity this morning to see it happen also in the life of Jesus where a fox would come and try to get Jesus off track. And we're going to see this morning some great, great principles. Now, before I tell you how to get rid of the foxes, what I want to tell you is... uh, You should be very, very encouraged this morning uh, because uh, your pastor has punched another notch on his man card this weekend. Are y'all listening? Say yes. Now, I never shot a gun till I moved to this place. Are y'all listening to me? Never did. Didn't have them around when I grew up. But since I've lived here over the past two years, I shot a turtle in the face. And uh, yesterday, I shot a pig in the back of the head. Are y'all listening to me? And uh, it was awesome. Blew him up right there. And I'm not, it wasn't that bad. God, they're all demon-possessed anyway, the Bible says, all right? So they all deserve death. But I think about this. There are foxes now that come into our lives that we need to be prepared to shoot down so that they do not deter us from what God has called us to do. So with that in mind, let me give you a few principles this morning and uh, hopefully teach you some good truth that will help you as I feel like the Lord's helped me so much this week. All right, so here's the first one. Y'all ready to say yes? Okay, our faithfulness to God will be tested by many foxes. Our faithfulness to God will be tested by many foxes. Look in your Bible at chapter 13, verse 31. Scripture says, just at that time, some Pharisees approached saying to Jesus, go away, leave here for Herod wants to kill you. Now you can set yourself in that scene. The Pharisees come to Jesus like, you better get out of here, Herod's fixing to get you. Now, what's interesting is this. Whenever we look at the Pharisees, they really do. They represent a sect of religious individual uh, who alongside of them were like the Pharisees, Sadducees, and the scribes. Now, there was a small percentage of them who were actually interested in the person of Jesus Christ. We read about them as well in the New Testament. Nicodemus was one. He came to Jesus Christ in the dark in John chapter 3. He was interested about how to be born again. But for the majority of the Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes, they were were dead set against the person of Jesus Christ. They wanted nothing to do with him. They did not want Jesus to be Messiah. So in this text, what we see is actually a conspiracy. 
The Pharisees gather together and they say, look here, man, we want Jesus dead, but we can't do anything about it as long as he is in this particular territory because this is the territory that Herod oversees. So let's go to t- and tell him that Herod wants to kill him and he ought to right now go to Jerusalem. And if we can get him over here in Jerusalem, he will actually be under our authority. And if he's under our authority, then in our Sanhedrin, our religious system, we can actually try him as committing blasphemy and then have him executed. So that's why they come to Jesus and they're like, hey, Herod is out to get you. It's not because they like Jesus. It's actually because they were trying to get Jesus to hurry up to Jerusalem so they can put him down. Now, it's interesting because I want you to note this as well. Not only were the majority of Pharisees not big fans of Jesus, to say the least, but also Herod was not a fan of Jesus. Herod was kind of spooked by Jesus, all right? He was spooked by Jesus because he actually had, Herod is, Herod had John the Baptist beheaded on one occasion. And then all of a sudden he began to hear about this man, Jesus. And whenever he listened about this man, Jesus, he thought this Jesus must be John the Baptist back from the dead. And he's going to come, he's going to find me, and he's going to put me down. So Herod's desire, without a doubt, was to get rid of the Lord Jesus Christ. But what I want you to know uh, primarily about this text this morning is that Jesus had a purpose. His purpose was to go to Jerusalem and die for the sins of humanity. However, as you read the New Testament, you discover that Jesus was not operating on the time schedule of everyone around him. He was submitted to the time schedule of God the Father. And that's why he says so often, my hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. However, that is also why we read in the New Testament where Jesus says that he has put his face toward Jerusalem like Flint. So he is headed in that direction. He knows his purpose is to come and to die. But what we see in the text is that there are people coming around Jesus trying to plan the life of Jesus Christ and get him off of the purpose for which God the Father actually sent him. Now, this is where you and I need to pay very close attention. It leads me to make this note, and I jotted it down in my notes here. External forces We may call them foxes. External forces will often try to get us to put God's plan on the back burner. External forces will often try to get us to put God's plan on the back burner. Uh, Think about the New Testament church for just a moment. Let's think uh, specifically about a local body of believers, all right? So the local body of believers has been planted there by God so that that local body might make disciples in their particular area. However, so often a church will actually put that mission to the side and begin to get caught up in doing other things. Uh, What I call uh, basically following foxes. Two of the major foxes this morning are the fox of busyness and then the fox of laziness. So there are some churches that are extremely busy. they got a lot of stuff going on. They've got all sorts of good stuff going on. However, when you begin to really examine that church, you discover that making disciples is not their central theme, but rather maybe it's just something off over here to the side, or you cannot find it all together. 
So that particular church has become so busy, maybe even doing good stuff, but they totally have veered off the path for which God has actually called them. They've allowed society, or maybe they've allowed others in the context of that church who've grumbled and complained to give birth to ministries that should not necessarily have even been a part of the church. And they totally missed the mission of making disciples everywhere. All right, that happens in the context of many churches. And uh, I will just issue a warning. I'm so blessed to be a part of this church. I feel confident that our fellowship is leading in that particular direction to make disciples. However, we as a church, are y'all listening, talking to church people? Y'all listening, say yes. We as a church must be extremely careful that we do not become so busy that we miss the point of the church to make disciples and glorify the Lord. If we do this and miss this purpose, then what are we doing? It is so essential that we not get distracted by the fox of busyness. But also I have found that there are those who are distracted by the fox of laziness. So you'll have a church that'll be like, well, we've reached enough people. We're big enough. Or, man, we're just a church that kind of just fellowships with one another. It's really not our heart to get out into the community and make disciples and minister to people. And nobody really ever says that out loud. But whenever you come in the context of that church, you know there is no desire to reach out. Listen, that is a church that has fallen into a rut And that is a church that is totally missing the very reason for which God had that fellowship planted. So it is essential that we don't become so me-centered as a church that we totally miss the fact that there are so many out there who still need to hear the grand, glorious message of the gospel and become disciples themselves. So that is the mission of the church. Now, when we think about our fellowship, be very careful that the fox of busyness and the fox of laziness does not distract us. Very, very important. Now we go a step further, all right? We went from God the Father to Christ. We saw the foxes trying to distract Jesus. We've seen the macro church, the big church, the local church, and we've seen how some foxes will try to distract that. Now let's come down to the micro level to your life and my life. The enemy will try to bring foxes that will distract us in our walks with the Lord. All right? This happens, and I just gave them the same name, the fox of busyness and the fox of laziness. So now let me talk to you uh, personally about how the Lord used this message to convict the fire to me, to show me where I had a fox of busyness approaching in my life that was actually taking me off the plan and purpose that the Lord has had for me. So here's something, all right? So I'm walking with the Lord. Now, I'm, I'm just a Christian like y'all. Y'all listening and say yes? Oftentimes you see a pastor and think he can walk on the water. He can't. Y'all all right? And uh, if he could or if he can, he knows where the stumps are. Y'all listening? And uh, he ain't really walking on them. That was pretty funny, by the way. But anyway, so uh, what I want you to discover, though, is often, and this is what's wild about the text. Like, whenever I study to preach, man, it's like the Lord gives me the message, and then, man, I, I, get, I have to get right with the Lord before I can even get up to preach it. And uh, here, here's an area, all right? God placed it upon my heart. Look at your preacher for a minute. God has placed it upon my heart in the past to be very, very, um, how shall I say, focused on investing truth in the life of my children. All right? So Krista and I have made up our mind. We want to invest in our kids. We want them to grow up in the ways of the Lord. Right? So we have sought to say, okay, if we're going to do that, how can we do that effectively? And so in the past, we have decided that the best time for us to invest in our children will be around the dinner table. So we'll all eat dinner together. We've got a little devotional that I read. Uh, and I, you know, it's, it's not like I stand up and preach like I'm doing here. It's not some 30-minute you know, dialogue. It's 
five minutes long, all right? They're nine and under, all right? Four of them. So nine, seven, five, and Marla just turned four this past week. So here they are all sitting around the table. It's pretty fun, too, whenever we do it. You know, I read it before I start. I say, all right, kids, I'm fixing to read this. I'm going to ask you some questions. And uh, if you miss them, I'm going to take food off your plate. Now, what's hilarious about that is Maddie looked at me one day and said, Dad, can you start with my green beans? I said, girl, you ain't right. That was quick too, boy. We don't actually take food away from them, so please don't email me, all right? We, we feed our kids just a little tactic there, joking around. But we do this. But here's the deal. Uh, those four kids are all growing. All right, some of you have some who are older than ours, and so you may have teenagers, I don't know, whatever, middle schoolers, whatever, but you got them. And here's the deal. Three of them right now are all involved in sports. All right, so Garrison plays baseball, Gavin plays t-ball, Maddie's playing softball. Now, here's the thing that I found out. You get three kids involved in ball, you get busy. <laughs> y'all, y'all listening? Now, I'm just talking to you what the Lord's teaching me. So I ain't pointing no fingers, but here's what the Lord's teaching me. I began to look at this and say, you know, when I was typing it out and I'm working on it, man, I'm putting it down. I'm thinking, yeah, you got that right. External forces, no doubt. There is busyness, busyness. And it was the Lord's like, uh, and that's what you are, Levi. So now I had to sit back and say, all right, Lord, what you talking about? And I began to take inventory over the past couple of weeks and realized that because we have gotten so busy, uh, we, I'll say I, I began to put that to the side uh, because we're not eating together. It's like, go to this practice, go to this practice, go to this practice. So we're running all over the place, and we put the, we're not even eating together like we normally do. And so whenever you begin to miss those, it's like, all right, we, we, missed, we didn't get a chance to eat together, so we didn't get a chance to do devotion. We'll pick up with that tomorrow. Problem is there's a ball practice then, and then problem is there's a ball practice then, and then there's a game, and then all three of them got to be in one place at one time. Y'all listening? I'm about to go nuts thinking about it. So it is wild. Now here's the deal. Uh, the Lord is uh, teaching me that that's a fox in our life that we have to re-examine, all right? Now, here's the deal. Because some of you are like, good night. What you going to do? Tell all your kids you can't play sports? No, man, that's not the point. Here's the point. The point is we are going to make sure that we sit down and seek to prioritize to make absolutely sure that we're not pushing God's plan aside in order to accomplish these other things. And here's the deal. Whenever God's plan is first and foremost, then all of a sudden what you do even in the evenings with ball practice and all this other stuff changes focus. So when God's plan is the central theme of your life, then all of a sudden you realize, well, good night. The reason I'm on here is because I love God. I'm supposed to serve other people. I'm supposed to be a missionary where I'm planted. So, all right, the Lord has me right now involved in this ball team. So what am I supposed to be there? A missionary. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? So, but whenever you take this priority, this is a universal sign language for priority. Y'all listening right here, right here. <laughs> but when you take this priority and you say, I'm going to pull this to the side, and then these other things take precedence, then you're not concerned about being a missionary anymore. You're not concerned about loving God. You're not concerned about serving others within the context of the body. Why not? Because the priority has been pushed aside. And that's the deal, man. Some of us are so uh, busy, right? so busy that we keep putting God to the side, keep putting this plan for our life to the side. We'll, do, we'll get this later. We'll knock this out. We're not so busy. We've got so many things going on. Let me push this aside. Here, here, the Lord understands. He knows what's going on, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we're pushing the Lord aside. Busyness, and it's a fox, it will distract you. And then laziness. Right? So there's some people who's like, I know I need to spend time sitting before the Lord and really praying and seeking Him and uh, studying the Scripture and knowing Him and loving Him. I know I should be doing this, but I got, I mean, I'm just so tired. 
I'm just so tired. I need to go to bed early. I, I got I to gotta sleep late. I can't do this. I can't do that. I'm just so tired. And you're putting the Lord to the side. I know I should serve in the church, but man, I've got so many things going on. I'm just so tired. I can't do that. Careful, careful, careful. Now, here, here's for me personally, all right? Here's, here's something I begin to think about myself. Are y'all listening? Say, yeah. This is just plain talk right here, all right? Plain talk for you. So I, I think about my kids, Garrison, all right? He's the oldest. He's nine years old. And uh, he can play some baseball. He's pretty good. Y'all listen, take care of her daddy, all right? <laughs> so anyway, I mean, he throws the ball like nine miles an hour. Y'all listen, 90. I said 90, all right? So he can haul the ball, all right? So he can throw. And uh, the deal is, you know, I want to invest some time in hanging out with him in that. I want to teach him how to throw the baseball. I love that commercial where he says, one more time like this. Have y'all seen that? Which is hysterical. But anyway, so uh, I don't throw like that. But um, so uh, teaching him to throw the baseball. He's pitching a little bit, so I'm trying to teach him to pitch. I never pitched. I was always a catcher. But uh, so anyway, so I'm trying to teach him how to pitch, but then trying to teach him how to hit a baseball. Try to teach him. So you got to pitch it. Hit it out in front of you, man. Keep your eye on the ball, you know. Uh, twist your hips. Squash the bug, et cetera, et cetera. All these things we're trying to teach him. Teach him. All right. If you don't know what that is, uh, talk to me later. All right. So anyway, you're, you're working on hitting this baseball. And then all of a sudden it began to dawn on me. Do I want to be a dad who invests more energy in teaching my son how to play baseball? Or do I want to invest more energy in teaching my son how to walk with Christ? Now this is the thing, all right? Are y'all listening? Say yes. I'm going to be your friend, but I'm going to choose you straight. Some of you, you're pouring all of your energy into teaching them how to do some sport and you're spending zero energy in teaching them how to walk with the Lord. Right? And there are some individuals who, and I heard this one time, not here in the church, thank goodness, but I heard this one time at the ball field. And I don't know if they, I don't know what's going on. Here's, here was a statement. My kids can go to church the rest of their life. They can only play ball once. That was dumb. Are y'all listening? Dumb. Hey, hey guess what? Here's, here's a thought too for you real quick. Look at the preacher. Uh, there will be no baseball in hell. So, so what if your son can throw a ball and hit it? Question is, is he walking with the Lord? And even better than that, question is, are you walking with the Lord? Are y'all listening? Say yes. Y'all ready for me to move on? I can tell some of y'all look real uncomfortable. But there's foxes everywhere. We've got to watch out for the foxes. They will distract us. Right. Now, here's the second point. I want you to see this. When we choose faithfulness to God's plan... We respond courageously to the foxes. When we choose faithfulness to God's plan, we respond courageously to the foxes. Jesus was tested in the midst of the test. Instead of giving in to the external demands of others, he courageously remained steadfast to the Father's plan. So look at your Bible in verse 32 and 33. Here's what he said. You go and tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform uh, cures today, and uh, three days that I reach my goal. Nevertheless, I must journey on today and tomorrow and the next day, for it cannot be that a prophet it would perish outside of Jerusalem. So Jesus, as I mentioned before, is currently inside Herod's territory, and he just straight calls him out. He's like, you go tell that fox this. And then the term chosen here by the Lord fox is a term that magnifies the character of Herod. So Herod was a cunningly wicked individual who preyed on the helpless. Uh, however, the authority of Herod did not cause fear in the heart of Jesus because he was under a greater authority, the authority of God the Father. See, being surrendered to God's plan for his life brought great courage to him. Jesus knew that the Father's plan was for him to go to Jerusalem, and there in Jerusalem, he would lay his life down for the sins of the world. Therefore, even if Herod was after him to kill him, he would not succeed because that was not in the plan of God the Father. Now, 
Jesus, this is what I want you to hear, he would not allow this fox to alter his course. Jesus would continue to do the ministry of defeating the kingdom of darkness by casting out demons and performing cures. Jesus says in verse 32, and on the third day I reached my goal. This was literally speaking prophetically about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus, through his death, burial, and three days later, resurrection would defeat the greatest enemy of the kingdom of darkness. The enemy is death. So Jesus displayed a great amount of courage when tested because he knew he was following the plan of God the Father. Which makes me note, and you need to listen, I want you to hear this. When we make a conscious decision to follow God's plan, we have great courage to stay faithful even when tested. But if we do not make up our minds that we are surrendering to the plan of God, then any old fox will do. Now, this is huge. Y'all listening say yes? This sermon keeps growing. Y'all all right? But here's the deal. You got the New Testament church. Now, I've told you I was teacher mode, all right? So I'm putting my teacher hat on. Here we go. In the New Testament, you have the birth of the church. All right? So the church is birthed. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in every single believer. And the church is birthed. The church has been given a mission. Make disciples of all nations. Jesus gave it to them. He's like, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them uh, to obey all that I have commanded you. So there is the mission. Now, the New Testament church in the book of Acts, born in Acts chapter 2, faced a phenomenal fox in Acts chapter 4, two chapters later. Here's the fox, Peter and John, who are great leaders of the church, and they are moving forward with the mission of Jesus to make disciples. So they're out preaching, and all of a sudden, some people don't like their preaching. So they grab them up, bring them in, and they say, you got to quit talking about Jesus. If you keep talking about Jesus, then what we're going to do is we are literally going to beat you, and we're going to punish you, and if you're not careful, we'll even put you to death for your message. But here's the deal. Here's how they responded. Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it's right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. Here's what they say. It's like, let, let me ask you this. Should we obey God or obey what you're telling us? To quit preaching. And then he goes forward and he says, we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. Now here's the deal. Why would they have such courage? They're being threatened for their life. They're being beaten for their faith. Uh, all of these things are happening. But why such courage? Because they previously had made up their minds that the church would exist, because Jesus said it would, to make disciples. And if any fox tried to get them off course, they knew that was Jesus' command. Therefore, under his authority, with great courage, they said, we're going to keep on preaching. Now, that's the deal with this church. Are y'all listening? So this is a local body. Go and make disciples. We as a church must continue to remind ourselves this is our purpose. This is why we exist. This is what Jesus told us to do. Make disciples, make disciples. And when a fox comes, doesn't matter how pretty the fox is, how awesome the idea the fox has, if it does not move the mission forward, we don't follow the fox. Y'all out there? Now, Let's move it down to an individual. Talked about the church macro in Peter and John. Think about Daniel in the Old Testament. All right? Daniel uh, had a heart to love God with everything that he had. He made up in his mind he's going to spend time three times a day praying to the Father. Uh, he would sit before the Father facing towards Jerusalem and he would pray. 
But some people didn't like it. So what happened is a group of people got together and went to King Darius with this idea. Said, King Darius, here's the deal. Let's pass a law that for 30 days no one can bow down to any other god and no one can make a petition or a prayer to any other king. And if they do, here's what we'll do with them. We'll throw them in the lion's den. Are y'all listening? Say yes. So this was the, the deal. But Daniel had made up his mind he was going to pray three times a day. So even though the decree went out, whenever they came and he even knew it, he still with great courage remained faithful to what God had called him to do. Threw him in the lion's den, no big deal. An angel came, shut the lion's mouth, and then eventually Daniel exited the building. Y'all listening? Now here's the deal. Why such courage, Daniel? You about to be, y'all, y'all ever seen big lions before? So we're going to throw you in there if you don't. Uh, do what we tell you to do. Why such courage? Courage was there because he had made up his mind that he was going to follow the Lord no matter what. Now that's the deal. Will you make up your mind you'll follow the Lord no matter what? Here's the last point. I got two minutes to tell it to you. Y'all still with me? Y'all over there? All right. Last deal. Here we go. I want you to hear this. If you didn't like the first two points, you ain't going to like this one at all. All right. Did y'all like the first two? Turning away from God's plan is, in effect, turning away from God. Now, look at verse 34 and 35. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together just as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. You wouldn't have it. Behold, your house is left to you desolate. And I say to you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So Jesus here, he bears his heart in transparency. He's speaking directly to the city of Jerusalem. He's like, I wish I could have gathered you together, but you would have nothing to do with me. In other words, Jesus came as Messiah to Israel, but Jerusalem, who represents Israel, rejected Christ as the Messiah. Had nothing to do with him. Now, what's wild here is that the text uh, tells us, verse 35, your house is left to you desolate. And that is true. Uh, Jerusalem uh, was literally ransacked, the temple was. And listen, that prophecy was fulfilled in the future, uh, beginning from verse 35. And what is crazy now is that Israel is less desolate even to this day. Here's what happened. Y'all still with me? I told you, teacher mode. Here it is. Y'all with me? Say yes. Y'all help me out now. Uh, preacher's getting tired. I've done this three times. Y'all listening? I'm sweating up here. You can't see this undershirt, boy, but it is water. <laughs> Here's the deal. God literally sent Jesus to Jerusalem to redeem her and be her Messiah. Israel said, we don't want you as our Messiah. So as a result, the Bible says that God has, listen, put Israel on the shelf for a season. Israel was supposed to be God's mouthpiece to the nations, but God set Israel aside, Romans chapter 9, and the Bible says he's not forgotten about Israel. However, he set Israel aside and gave birth to the church, and now the church is to be the mouthpiece to the lost nations. All right, so the Israel set aside, the church is doing what Israel failed to do, as Jesus Christ is the Messiah of the church and Israel, and then ultimately the Bible says that Jesus is coming back again, and he's not forgotten about Israel, but Romans chapter 9 says he will save Israel. And so when Jesus comes back again to the earth at his second coming, he says, you won't see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He's speaking directly about his second coming. 
Now, what I want you to see, and this is huge, is that Jerusalem rejected God's plan in the Lord Jesus. And in effect, he rejected God. Can I come down here? Now, look at me. God has a plan for the New Testament church. For the New Testament church life. Let's just say Concord's like this. Concord said, we're not going to do that. we got some other stuff we want to do. We're going to focus here, 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 here. I, I know we, we'll lay this aside, lay this aside. If we reject God's plan for the local church, we reject God. Amen. Now, let's come back to our lives personally. All right, Your life, my life. God's called us. He's like, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Uh, serve others as yourself. And listen to this. This is huge. And be missionaries where I planted you. All right? So that's, that's your life purposely. But if you say... I'm not doing that. I've got, I've got all this other stuff to do. Lord, I'll, I'll get to all that later, but this other stuff is so very important to me. Let me do this. Let me do this. And you set it aside. If you reject the plan of God, you reject God. Y'all listening? Now, think about it like this. This is the passage that kind of got me as I was looking through this. It's in the book of James where it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So, Israel rejected God opposed them. It's all right, you reject me, I'm going to reject you. You receive judgment for a season, put you on the shelf. I'm going to redeem Israel ultimately, but right now I'm putting you on the shelf, all right? Now, if the church, and just think about a local church for a minute. If a church, a local church, rejects God's plan to make disciples, God opposes that church. That's a strong statement, isn't it? it to oppose literally means to set yourself against Hey, hey, listen, listen. Um, a lot of dead churches out there. All right, we'll go a step further, all right? Your life, my life, if we say, Lord, we're putting this back here, we've we got other things going on, we are rejecting the Lord. And what pride for any church to say, Jesus, we hear what you're saying, but we got a better idea. Or, or what pride in a person. Jesus, I hear what you're saying, how I ought to be living, but I got a better idea. That's pride. Now, here's the awesome news. The Bible says he uh, gives grace to the humble. Y'all, I'm all about some grace. Y'all with me on that? Grace, grace, and this is what's awesome. Grace not only reaches out and saves you from your sin, but grace actually empowers you and I to live the Christian life. So the Lord has called us, love him, love others by serving them, and uh, be missionaries everywhere. And then Peter says it like this in 1 Peter, every single thing you need for life and godliness, you got it. So all you got to do is access what God has given you, and you can live this life which God's called you to live. God's not calling you to something and be like, good luck, man. Hope that works out for you. No, God calls you, and he equips you. He gives you every single thing that you need. All you do is access it, walking by faith, and he empowers you. And this act of him empowering you and I to remain faithful to his purpose is all his grace. And then that's whenever we're, that's what's awesome. Whenever you are literally following God's plan and God's using your life to influence other people and somebody wants to come and say like, man, you got it going on. You're like, are you kidding? It's the grace of God. Nothing in me. It's the grace. Now God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. Look at me. I ain't a prophet. Y'all listening to me? I just asked y'all, y'all listening to me? I am not a prophet. But here's the deal. Some of you have come to church this morning, 
and a fox has gotten you so far off the path that God has for your life that uh, the Lord is trying to say to you now, wake up. Wake up. Come back to me. Get grace. You'll be shocked at what I can do in your life. And that was the awesome, awesome thing. He, he put you out. You, you ever rode in your car and you let go of the steering wheel and it drove to the left or to the right towards the ditch? That's because your front end ain't aligned. Are y'all listening? That's all I know about cars is that. Y'all listening? That's it. But here's the deal. You can take it to the store and they'll align it for you. Some of you, as believers, your front end ain't aligned. And you're just steering off the road, off the purpose. Some churches, front end ain't lying, steering off the purpose, steering off the purpose. Now, here's the awesome thing. This is cheesy as all get out, but y'all listen to me, all right? Here it is. Um, your front end ain't a lie. God's got the Midas touch. <laughs> y'all all right? That's pretty good, eh? <laughs> it was terrible last service, too. But anyway, so, uh, but that's what's awesome. God can reach down right where you are, and he can... Front end aligns you, put you back on the path, take you out of the ditch, put you right back where he wants you. And he's not like, now you got to make up for all this. That's not how he rolls. He's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull you back out. I'm going to uh, restore you completely. And we're just going to keep walking together. That's what the Lord wants to do with some of you today. Why wouldn't you take that? Good night. Hey, hey, listen, you keep living your life the way you're living. All you're doing is going towards the ditch. The Lord's calling. Let's bow together. Father, speak to hearts this morning.